Hello, and welcome back to The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey. I'm Mike Ferguson. This is Episode 9, the second episode on green coffee terminology. Mark and Todd are spinning the wheel to explore another nine terms used by green coffee traders. One of these terms we learned last time is making Todd a little nervous. Which term is it? The suspense is palpable, a word that here means a little chewy. And now, here they are. Mark and Todd. We have not gotten to your term of doom yet. Not is this yet. your term of doom? No, hedge is not my term of doom. In fact, I'll gladly uh, take it. I mean, a hedge is essentially a, uh, is another sort of similar to position. It's another trading term. Um, you know, most people probably have heard it used for, you know, what are called hedge funds. Um, but in in green coffee and coffee trading, a hedge is actually uh, referring to uh, the futures transaction that is equal but opposite the physicals transaction that you might do at any given time as you uh, buy on coffee for your business. So, for example, if I'm a roaster, um, you know, I am buying physical coffee, you know, when someone in... in uh, Mark's position, he's selling it to me. He would then hedge by going and buying a future, um, you know, for the same terminal month that that, that coffee is being sold against. Uh, and then vice versa, when coffee is purchased, you would be then selling a futures contract. And, and what you're uh, essentially effectively able to do is remove the volatility and the movement of um, you know, the New York market, which is, you know, especially at a time such as, as we are in now, uh, tremendously volatile and, uh, you know, unpredictable. And um, it would allow for some insulation, uh, you know, from that. Um, this is all in keeping with, you know, a hedge being a way of reducing your risk uh, when making a bet, essentially. Um, Mark, uh, I'd love to hear you take it away on this. Well, I would say the only addition to, well, the two pieces to hedging that uh, are important to note is that with fixed or flat price coffees, and these would usually be coffees, uh, high end micro lots or, you know, top, you know, grade one Ethiopians or, or Kenya double A's, uh, those are usually not sold on a differential basis. So hedging would be uh, not relevant. The other side to hedging um, because people assume that importers, you know, play this role of casino and they're, you know, they're making money, you know, on, on all these angles that roasters don't. Uh, it's, it's these days, it's highly unlikely um, that a roaster would sell a lot uh, to you uh, on a differential basis and not hedge. The, the, the impetus is to ride it out if you feel the market's going to continue to fall or continue to rise and you can make a couple extra cents on the sale but the risk is definitely not worth it and there have been historic stories um, a, a very large importer doing some hedging uh, moves or or the lack thereof 
uh, took a $120 million hit in one day, um, which would wipe out all profits for uh, a sizable uh, import company for an entire year. So in the old days, people would would gamble a little bit on the sale. And today it's, it's extremely rare. Most companies put very tight constraints around companies, um, import companies, uh, to not allow them to, to gamble on when they fix coffees based on a sale. And there's, you know, further, there's elaborate options, strategies that can be put in Sure. Um, that can further hedge, you know, the potential of a market going this way or that, depending on, you know, a particular buyer or seller's outlook or strategy. But but the the end of the day, I mean, I think all of us in coffee are are primarily focused on physicals, and the hedge is what allows us to to stay focused on physicals, right? Yes, uh, essentially. Allocation. Allocation is uh, more of an importer's uh, duty. I, I would maybe an exporter's duty as well. But allocation is simply a contractual um, duty where, whereas I sell you a coffee, which would be a sales contract, and I actually allocate it or tie it to a purchase contract that you wanted to purchase. So it's just tying the purchase to the sale to ensure that the coffee is the exact same coffee that you intended to buy. It's uh, something that if you're writing contracts very quickly, uh, you often forget to do that, and you all of a sudden find contracts that are unallocated or have not yet been allocated, and you better hope uh, that that coffee wasn't sold while you uh, took your time to forget to allocate. Sounds like there's some some bitter tears in there. I mean, there may, has there some been of us some... learn the hard way, Todd. Some of us <laughs> learn the hard way. Um, yeah, no. The, one cool element about allocation that I think is worth mentioning is, you know, when you do get into buying uh, SAS or SAS replace, you know, allocation is essentially the way that you use that replace kind of function, right? right? Uh, when it comes yeah. to you, you're in my day to day where, you know, if I'm selling Mark on uh, a particular quality of like Blender Brazil, I might have 10 or 15 lots. I'm selling Mark one, two, three, what have you. And if I'm selling them replace, I can essentially sample him until he finds the quality um, in a particular lot or a particular spread. And then I would allocate those particular lots to the contracts, yes. which otherwise would cover all of those lots, essentially on the, the cost basis of the coffee. So, Sure. And or if you, you uh, a coffee landed, you sampled me on a specific allocated purchase and I didn't like it, you would unallocate that coffee and then reallocate me to the coffee that I end up choosing after you sampled me on multiple lots. Correct. Yeah. But again, and I can't stress this enough, there is nothing worse than finding <laughs> out that you did not allocate a contract and then having to go back to that client and saying it was sold out while I was basically asleep at the wheel. That That is an inexcusable offense. I seem to remember a very specific moment in a sales call we had. This must have been a couple years ago now because I felt like it was very fresh for me. But there was a there was a certain colleague of ours who said, wait a minute, I sold that to so-and-so. 
And another colleague who said, well, I guess you didn't, did you? <laughs> exactly. It was... Uh, yeah, that, yeah is, it was, that is the worst moment in a trader's life. It was a moment. I mean, we all worked it out like, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 months later over a, a fierce game of bocce. But, um, yeah, you know, those tensions, we carry them. Ready. Counterparty. Counterparty. Yeah. Counterparty is, uh, is a term I like to throw around. Um, you know, it's... Uh, one of the most important uh, terms, I think, especially if you find yourself in, uh, you know, position of sales or, you know, account building, uh, business development, counterparty is always uh, sort of comes along with that concept of appraisal, right? Um, you know, and counterparty at its core is essentially the, the selling party when you're buying or the buying party when you're selling, Um and so, you know, you'll see this term outlined in detail with this as a header uh, on a sales contract or a purchase contract for that matter. Um, and that's going to be, you know, the, the party uh, who is your, your counter um, at the head of the document, essentially, if you're selling the buyer, if you're buying the seller. And Mark would, in this case, be my counterparty. Um, yes you know for the purpose of of the exchange by olam specialty coffee oh i see this wheel's getting smaller as we uh i didn't notice that differentials okay well differential is the uh it's the it's a different way of selling and buying coffee if if uh if todd said how much is the coffee and i said it's three dollars that would um be a fixed flat price that would be based on um, a, a flat price offered by a grower with with no market conditions applied to the the sale or the purchase of the coffee. Differentially is using a uh, an addition or a subtraction from the physical market that's being sold that the coffee is being offered at and as well as being sold at. So you'll sometimes hear uh, coffees when people are talking coffees they'll say I bought bought it for plus fifty. And that may seem confusing to a lot of people who don't normally buy coffee this way. Plus 50 would be 50 cents over whatever market month that you're actually talking about. So when you say plus 50, you're actually um, giving half of the equation. It's plus 50 over deck 18 or plus 50 over March 19. Uh, it would be a price over that market. And that is moving until you fix that coffee. Now in, in smaller con, uh, quantities, in less than container sales, when you purchase that coffee, it'll be uh, locked in um, at the point of sale. If you're buying an entire container on a differential basis or over, let's say 150 bags, that coffee will remain at that plus 50 level until you call it in and ask for a fixation. And um, that fixation can be just right now wherever the market is, or you can set it at a certain level uh, that you need it to be. But at that point, the market and the differential matches, and then that's your price. So if the market, like today, closed at 101 for deck 18, and I sold you the coffee at plus 50, and we fixed, the final price would be $1.51 a pound. When you get to the point where, as a buyer, 
you might be looking at several suppliers operating, you know, at a certain volume and, you know, you may not come in on Monday and finish, you know, close the business Monday. You might be looking for something that's more, uh, you know, over the course of a week or a few days, you know, taking your offers differentially would allow you to kind of uh, compare apples to apples, essentially, you know, regardless of how a seller might manage the futures uh, of the transaction for you, um, you know, and also just to kind of see exactly what the costs are above the market that it's uh, that it's going to be posted against. Long, long. Yeah, so long would uh, be another one of these uh, sort of quintessentially trading terms. Um, long indicates that you have essentially, uh, you know, a positive amount of something. Uh, most typically, uh, when thinking physical position, um, like we were discussing around the position term, how much coffee you have, long would indicate. Uh, that you have more coffee than you might be using in any given term. So um, I might say to Mark, uh, Mark, uh, I have uh, a customer that is long 25 bags of such and such a coffee. Um, this would mean uh, to Mark uh, that this customer bought this coffee at a certain time, expecting to move through it uh, by a certain point. They have found themselves either growing slowly, uh, having suffered some attrition of accounts, or, or for some reason, uh, you know, being further behind in their spread than than they would have, uh, you know, imagined. Um, and Mark would come back, uh, and we might potentially be able to relieve that long position. Otherwise. You know, long would essentially put you in a, a spot where, you know, you're going to have to work through that coffee, um, you know, a little longer than you might like in terms of your, your calendar year, your operations. Um, you can, you know, have the same type of position when it comes to futures, uh, you know, and that would uh, indicate that you are holding more uh, futures of a, any given type or, you know, uh, any given uh essentially market tool, um, you know, then you might want to. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, that, that you have them uh, essentially to sell you physically uh, or sort of, you know, fundamentally own them uh, rather than being short, in which case you, you are obligated to sell them, uh, but you don't necessarily have them. Um, hopefully I'm not getting too confusing. Mark, can you save me here? <laughs> well, um, no, you you got it right, and, and it's also used as a term uh, for importers when they go when they have long coffee. When they say they've got long coffee, it's actually coffee that they're going to be offering spot, and it's not pre-obligated to a customer. Um, so, like a position that you would have as a roaster, an importer has their long position, which is what they're offering to you on their offering sheet. All that coffee is considered long, uh, as well as spot in some cases, or long and um, and and out uh, if the coffees are coming in in sequential months. You know, like a December arrival, a January arrival, a February arrival. But they are they are de they're determined. They're being uh, put there specifically to be sold to customers as they need it, not as a pre-sold product. 
Totally. And the adverse of this, or the, the sort of converse term, short, I mean, a great example is when Mark sells that priceless <laughs> snowflake micro lot, but yes. doesn't allocate it. And I come in completely unknowingly and yes. sell and allocate it. Mark is finding himself in what would be a quintessentially short position. A very short position. <laughs> Well, and taking that further, I mean, I know that, that we're all having fun here now, aren't we? Um, it's something that I have never done, uh, and and a lot of people do it, is to sell coffee that they don't own. And uh, you could have importers with a coffee on an offering sheet, they start selling it, and then they just believe they'll be able to buy it and fulfill it once it starts to sell. And sometimes you get caught short and you can't find the coffee that you're looking for, or you can't find it at the price you were selling for, and you take a, a significant loss on the product. Uh, I've yet to do that. I, I, I don't know about you, Todd, but uh, that has always seemed like extreme gambling uh, to me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not in my sort of regular vernacular at all. I mean, I think it's probably much more common on the origin side uh, for exporters who, sure. you know, essentially have to uh, come into the market to sell when, you know, massive commercial buyers come in. Um, and then, you know, they're essentially using crop forecasts, general market conditions, you know, macroeconomic um, types of feel uh, and, and outlooks to populate, you know, what they think, um, you know, they might be able to sell for in six months when that coffee really starts to flow. So, um, but yeah, you know, in my reality, that is not uh, necessarily a thing. Uh, That's a good at, thing. At this stage, at least. I'll yeah. let you know when, I, when I'm walking across the bridge. <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot. This is, a, this is an interesting one in that I think lot as a, as a term is so heavily used and it's so versatile now um that it's it's almost that it's it's sort of meaningless you have nano lot micro lot lot um but you know classically in the trade a lot would be uh you know one container of coffee Uh, you'll you'll find one future exactly um so you know you have one box of coffee one you know container or one futures contract uh, representative of, um, you know, depending on the origin, you know, the certain bulk volume uh, approximated to a container's worth of coffee. Um, but, you know, in the case of, you know, these subterms, you are working with what is a little bit more, uh, you know, interpreted. And micro lot uh, historically has been anything less than a lot, right? Could be. In the case of, uh, you know, uh, a sh- country of origin like Colombia, it could be 100 bags instead of uh, 275, the, the typical, you know, shipping volume, and that would have been considered a micro lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now in the days of like single farm separations and, and to stay uh, riffing on uh, Colombia as an origin country, I mean, with, with the vast majority of smallholder farmers having less than five hectares, um, you know, you might have, you know, what is a micro lot or more appropriately a nano lot, um, that's going to be three to eight bags total, um, you know, full stop. So, 
Um, you know, that's that's maybe more than we asked for with with just lot. But um, yeah, in that, in that case, they're not using the term lot as a a physical lot or a future uh, worth of coffee. They are talking about lot coding is an individual lot code of coffee. Uh, a typical container of coffee will have the same lot code in all 275 uh, or 320 bags, depending on the the unit of measure of the bag. Um, but in the in the sense of the nano or micro lot, it could be a one bag lot, which is just having one lot code, and that's considered one lot of coffee, but has nothing to do with a future uh, or in the sense of a container of coffee. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up a lot code. I, I assume you're you're riffing on International Coffee Organization's marks. Yeah, ICO marks. Yeah, so you essentially, you know, when you look at a bag, you see the the three numbers in sequence. The first is uh, unique country code for the the country of origin. The second is the exporter's license number. And then the third is going to be the lot number. So in the case of these micro and nano lots, they would have a unique lot number, um, which is what Mark is getting at. Uh, but they wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, have to be a full, you know, quote unquote lot, uh, as it were, in the more traditional trade of, of coffee, that full ca- uh, container is worth of a particular homogenous quality. Perfect. Carrie. Well, Carrie is a combination. Uh, it's it's the, the charges to store coffee uh, within a warehouse for any length of time. And that is uh, also, it's, it's a lump term for storage and financing charges. Um, carry charges are, are, are calculated to, or they represent two types of charges. One would be finance charges. So if you were to buy 50 bags of coffee, uh, S-A-S-N-A-N-S. We have to buy that coffee uh, in this sense of FOB, so at down at origin, once it crosses the threshold onto the boat, that's when we take possession of it and we have paid for the coffee. While that coffee is traveling on the ship, we are financing that money until it lands, goes into the warehouse, and then until you release all of that coffee that you have purchased. So. If you're releasing 10 bags at a time, uh, 10 bags per month, we won't finish the financing of that coffee for five months. In addition, we're also paying storage fees to have that coffee sitting in that warehouse until you fulfill your contract. And that's, we apply those charges uh, as you take the coffee based on each release. So at each release, when you pick up, the pricing, the final pricing of that coffee will be different because different levels of carry are being accumulated as you take that coffee over time. Yeah, most typically you might see that detailed as an actual line item that's storage and carry or something to that effect. Um, you know, Or you might request that this is quoted as part of the final price, um, you know, a quote-unquote weighted carry um, to be added over a certain term. The, the difference there being... If you take your spread early, you're going to have paid for something you didn't necessarily use. Um, and, you know, typically, uh, if you're going through the discipline of booking this out in a much more detailed and structured way, you'd be obligated to take it in a very, you know, structured and uh, 
uh, anticipated way. It all comes back to SAS, Mark. Yes, it does. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've, at multiple points in, in multiple episodes at this stage, uh, we've we've gotten onto SAS, and it just has to be the, you know, most essential tool, especially for a quality-oriented buyer, um, but most certainly as well for a buyer looking to, you know, have good forward coverage uh, with solid coffees and, and, you know, to have their needs booked and be opportunistic. Um, this means subject to the approval of a sample. Um, after SAS, you might specify what sample that is, arrival sample or pre-shipment sample. Uh, in the case uh, of when we are buying coffee, for example, it's, it's you know, subject to the approval of a pre-ship sample. Um, but you'd use this designation essentially to ensure that the coffee you're delivered is is the coffee that has been described to you is the coffee that was, uh, you know, offered to you essentially, uh, you know, initially, I should say. Um, and you could essentially amend the clause with, you know, uh, SAS, NANS, like we described earlier, no approval, no sale, yeah. or you might uh, specify that you are open to replacing it, meaning the seller would have the chance to show you as many lots of the same physical quality until you approve one uh, or, you know, until they uh, walk away in shame. Man, the seltzer's really making me brutal tonight. <laughs> it's crazy. So crisp and delicious. A perfect beverage for recording a podcast. Yeah, no, it's it's the right one. All right, the okay. moment we've all been waiting for, Mark. This was the term? This was the one. Take it away. Oh. I'm at a complete loss. And and maybe okay. you will wow. decode it for when me. When I get and... to school, Todd Mackey, uh, life has gotten extremely sweet. Well, uh, don't, don't get too excited <laughs> yet. It's an acronym, and it's, I may it's just not be It's the little victories. The little victories I take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, UOM, which is unit of measure. Uh, this is the way we buy and sell coffee. <laughs> This uh, coffee is offered to us. We'll, you'll hear $5,500 per metric ton or uh, $105 per 46 kilos or coffee will be sold on a per kilo basis or a per pound basis. It is the, the unit of measure uh, where the price is involved in. And different countries use different units of measure. In Indonesia, mostly uh, coffees are sold per metric ton. Uh, they aren't sold uh, by the pound. In Guatemala, they still use per 46 kilos uh, as a, a sale uh, for us. Now, we don't necessarily, we don't sell it to the customer. Once it's landed here, we convert everything, no matter how we bought it, to cents per pound. Um, and we deal in cents per pound, not dollars per pound. So it's 105 cents per pound for a coffee that's $1.05. We always deal in the, the cents uh, units of measure here. Um, but we're buying it under different terms in different countries, and we have to do that conversion for you. Todd, you know, is that what you thought it meant? That It's it's tremendously unsatisfying. I mean, that, that is... You expected something this, different? This is definitely something you and Mike baked in, knowing I, full I well that this acronym you, has have, never been seen before. Uh, we, I have did not confer with our producer... 
before the show. This here was I am sprung on me. Wondering how you're going to describe Uam. Like, Uam. Uam. What is that? Oh, boy. I wish you would have said the word first, and I would have converted it into a a cupping term. And then shocked you didn't know this taste. Yeah, we should do, like, an alternate ending to this. I mean, given that this is our last term, I I feel like a Wayne's World moment would be be rather fitting. Or like Um, the movie Clue, where it has... What four different endings yeah, in the movie? Sure. Yeah, we could do. Yeah. We'll we'll take a pause and then we'll do a second ending to this. Where we'll pretend <laughs> the wheel spun. Ooh, um, and yeah. Mike could choose to leave in both endings or one ending, or do oh, it in man. two versions. That was good. Unit of measure. I've never seen Unit the acronym. I'll believe you, Mark. Um, you know, no problem. I appreciate. Well, the, Todd, if you the actually read the uh, position report or. Uh, looked at a physical position report, you'd see this UOM used quite a bit. Oh, burn. <laughs> I'm just always stuck on the, uh, the, the unallocated quantity line. Right, oh, right. You stop there. Sold that thing. Okay. Yeah, that's usually where all the work begins for me. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, this was good. I love the uh, green coffee lingo wheel. I'd love to uh, bring it back at some point in the future. I feel like we could really get into this. We'll just have to add some like flames and fireworks and uh, absolutely you know, crazy sound effects. And, and if and if you out there, listener, uh, had a term that you want us to answer, please email us, and we'd be happy to answer it on our next episode. Todd, what is that email address again? That email address is the exchange at olamnet.com. That's the exchange at o l a m n e t. And we will not read your name on the air if you are embarrassed about the question. Please feel free to ask us any term that you are unsure about. We'd be happy to answer it. And hopefully, you'll get to stump Todd as well live on the air. Let's hope for that. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Well, it has been great. This was a fun episode. I'm looking forward to hearing what our producer, our fearless leader, uh, might dub in as the actual wheel sound effect, or if he could um, do so, like you know the uh, in between like some uh, some uh, bumper uh, kind of terms like sick burn when I come at you with the uh, not paying attention to. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a it's a nail biter. Can't wait till this one's uh, done and and live. We'll see how it all goes. But I just want to thank everyone for uh, taking the time to tune in. We'll certainly look forward to uh, joining you again. Um, but Mark, uh, thanks so much. Uh, certainly appreciate the time here, uh, hobnobbing on green coffee terminology. As always, yes. So thanks again for tuning in to the exchange presented by OlamSpecialtyCoffee.com. Again, I am Mark Inman. And I am Todd Mackey. Good night. Good night. Yes, you've been listening to The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey, directed by Mike Ferguson. Our opening theme was The Coffee Song by Uam. No, wait. The Coffee Song by Andy Five. My apologies. Our closing theme, Black Coffee by Pink Aid. All music is used under Creative Commons. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee. Mark, are you up on Uam? I don't think I've seen this one before. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have uh, paid attention at all to the new SCAA cupping wheel, uh, you would know that Uam 
is a new copying characteristic of coffee. It has a similar taste of a salted plum. It's a salted plum flavor uh, called Uam. 